You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Some people are terrified to buy their first investment property, while others dive right in. I was one of those people who dove head first, but only after I'd read a bunch of books, attended dozens of seminars, and spoke with lots of other people who had done what I wanted to do. So I guess you could say I dove in, but cautiously and aware. And I would say that's the same for today's guest. I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Well Show. Mark is a business owner, so he already knows how to hire people and get things done that he doesn't know how to do or doesn't want to do. He also knows how to do the research necessary to feel comfortable diving in. And he's here with us today to share how he's building his real estate portfolio and his retirement one property at a time in just a year's time. So Mark, welcome to The Real Well Show. Thank you. Good to be here. So tell me a little bit about who you are and how you got started in real estate. Well, I'm 59 years old and I got started in real estate late, but I always wanted to do it. And so I started last year. Okay. So last year in December, I bought the first property and I should have nine completed by the end of this year. Nine? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (gasps) Okay. So you started late, but you uh, went big. Well, I have to because I'm an old guy. <laughs> well, with all the new, you know, medical advances, <laughs> you you got a lot of time left, right? So it's it's not a bad time to start building passive income because you probably you right. could have 30, 40, 50, who knows, 60 years more. Yep. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the gene therapy and all, who knows, maybe they can just reverse the aging process. We'll see. But in the meantime, let's see if we can have our our money help us do that. So what have you learned? I I went fast and furious too. I think the first trip I took back in 2003, I think it was 2004, I went to Dallas and I came back with five properties. So I understand understand where you're at. It's a lot at once. So where did you buy and why? Well, the first property I bought was in Detroit. I visited them and just kind of get a feel for everything. And I felt comfortable with that. So I bought there and then I bought, I have two in Cleveland and one under contract. And I have two in Alabama and one under contract. And I have two under contract in Florida. And it seems like every market was a little bit different. And it's kind of like, just, you know, that way I feel like I don't have all my eggs in one basket just because they're in different markets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was actually at a live event uh, last week and somebody asked me if they thought it was a good time to buy. And I said, of course, it depends on where and what. Um, And he said, well, I want to just, you know, keep buying in the LA area and get a bunch of rentals. And my, I had many things to say about that. But the first was, (laughs) you know, is it cash flowing? You could get better cash flow elsewhere. How about those new landlord laws, or I should say pro-tenant laws that are probably passing this week? that could make it really tough to evict your tenant if they don't pay. And finally, what happens if there's an earthquake and you have all your properties in an earthquake zone with no earthquake insurance? Uh, but that didn't sway him. He's still going to buy more. But um, I like the way you're thinking. I like, you know, diversity is important and we have the ability to do that. So Detroit, Cleveland, those are two areas that have very high cash flow, aren't necessarily on the radar for other investors because they, how do we put it? There hasn't been much happening in those areas, but at least 
that's what people think, but that's not the reality. I mean, what what did you see when you were in Cleveland and Detroit? Well, I, I didn't visit Cleveland. I visited Detroit. Detroit was like a big difference. My wife's uh, sister used to live in Detroit. And so when I told her I was going to Detroit, she was saying, oh, man, that place needs some help. And when I got back, I said, I think they got it because it <laughs> it's a big difference, you know, from yeah. what she described when she would visit her sister than what I saw. And it all happened in the last, I don't know, four years or so. So if you haven't been to Detroit lately, then you should go check it out because it's probably not what you think. So good yeah. for you. All right. And then, yeah. um, so Detroit, Cleveland, and how were those performing, those properties? Uh, well, really good. I mean, it, what I expected, you know, you just, you know, I, the Cleveland homes and, you know, they're all 100 years old, you know, pretty much, you know, so right. you know, there's some maintenance and stuff like that. But I mean, that's all kind of expected, but the cash flow is good. And I think the real estate seems to be like a, a volume business. You need lots of different ones in different places. And when one thing goes down, another one goes up and it just kind of balances everything out. I am so glad you are looking at this realistically because that's exactly it. I mean, people seem to have this concept that if they buy quote unquote turnkey, which means that the property's been renovated for a tenant, they, they somehow think it's going to be a brand new home or something. It's like, it's a hundred year old home. It's, it's not going to be brand new. There will be repairs. There will be things that happen. And you need to have those reserves set aside for that. Just like with any business, you have reserves set aside for emergencies. Um, it's the same for real estate. So what kinds of things did you discover can come up? Oh, I mean, I bought one that it wasn't a turnkey and I had to put a roof on it, which I kind of expected that to come. It came a little sooner than I expected, but it came. And so I would just prepare for it. You know, I just try to be realistic. You know, these are 100 years old hold homes, you know, they have problems and then they need to be repaired, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's just all part of it. But it just seems like it happens to this one and you think, oh my gosh, it's that one. And then this one's, this one hasn't had anything. So well, it all balances out. You put your, your reserves away and then when you need it, they're there, you know, may mm -hmm. all come for one house for, you know, for two months and then, then, then it goes to another house. But as long as you have them there, they're, you know, they're doing what they're supposed to do. That's right. After that, it's like, you know, when you're driving, you don't drive looking right in front of your car. You have to look down the road, you know, it's, otherwise you just drive yourself crazy going from side to side thinking, oh my gosh, this one's not doing what it's supposed to do. <laughs> just, you, you just have to kind of be patient and look, you know, just look down the road to what, what's happening. That's a really good point. Did you get financing on these properties? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I paid cash for the one in Detroit, but all the rest of them have been financed. Yeah, so that's a, a great way to look at it is like, yeah, these, these repairs, they do happen. But the long term, like you said, looking ahead, your tenants are paying off your debt for you and you're going to end up with properties free and clear. Those little repairs you made are, are just really not going to feel like much when you're sitting on a free and clear property that's paying you a whole lot of rent. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so then what? So then what? So <sighs> I've, I, I like the Florida properties because they're brand new. And they are seem to. I, I just think they're good all the way around. I, I think even the cash flow is not going to be bad. I'm I'm kind of excited about those. I'm supposed to close on one next month. So where are those located? Uh, one of them is in Ocala, and one's in Punta Gorda. I think is what it's called. Okay. So yeah. Now, when the hurricanes happened just a few weeks ago, what were your thoughts about buying property in Florida? Well, I live in California, so I'm, I mean, there's earthquakes, there's different things. I just, 
you know, it's, I think it's just part of the territory. I mean, there's the company people live there. Not everybody left the state. It's just, you know, part of what it goes on, you know, and as, if you're a landlord, you just have to understand that something like that could happen. You insure yourself and then I don't worry about it. And you you didn't buy these in flood zones, I assume. No, no, no. I don't, I don't think any of the any of the have anything in flood zones. Yeah, none, none of our teams would ever sell yeah. property in flood zones, or at least if they yeah. did, they would definitely disclose right. that. But so when you when you buy property that's not in a flood zone, then flood insurance is pretty cheap. So I always recommend getting it anyway, just in case, and then making sure that you have the right insurance policy that will cover any damage from a hurricane. And one really important tip is to make sure you pay for that named storm insurance. Because it seems like any big hurricane is going to have a name and you want to be insured for that. But for some reason, some people turn that down. It's not very expensive. So what, what are you discovering with property taxes and insurance? Do the numbers still work in Florida? Or I mean, you don't really know yet because you, you're just about to close on it, but at least on paper? Yeah, on paper, it all seems to work good. So I'm, I'm excited about it. So you know, like I think it just takes a while for once you get your tents in there and get the property management and get everything going. And then you just kind of have to monitor everything and see how things are. But on paper, it looks great. So I'm, I'm excited. If it uh, works out the way I think it is, I would like to buy more there. Yeah. And when you look at the demographics, and you've probably seen some of the charts I've shown, that the majority of the population is moving to the southeast. And mm-hmm. that would include Florida and, and Georgia and Alabama, just, you know, warmer states in the south that are affordable and have low taxes. So when you see that 10,000 baby boomers are retiring every single day, and many of them heading that way, along with young people too, uh, it's, it is pretty exciting. So, yeah. so good for you. But you're still looking at other places, Texas and Alabama? Uh, yeah, I have two in Alabama and I have one under contract. I was going to purchase when I got under contract with one in, in Texas and then the building just got delayed. And so I pulled out of that one. Mm-hmm. The only thing about, I don't know enough about their taxes in Texas to feel comfortable about it because I know it's an issue and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure that I fully understand it to feel comfortable to do that. Yeah, it's, I mean, depending on the county, uh, Texas, Texas taxes are high, although I heard there is now debate about that in Texas. They're, they're starting to experience what we've experienced in California forever, which is home prices going up. And when home prices go up, so do your taxes, your property taxes in Texas. That's why we capped it here in California because home prices were going up so rapidly that so were taxes and, and older people couldn't afford those increases. Um, so I, I hear that Texas is starting to talk about that. There could be some changes in the future. And home prices are still relatively low there. So even if property taxes are high, it doesn't always have that big of an impact on cash flow. Still important to understand it and look at it. The people who are most affected by the property taxes in Texas are those who saw massive appreciation. Like we had some investors buy properties in Rockwall, Texas for about $150,000 10 years ago. Those properties have tripled in value and so have their taxes. So, you know, I, I say, hey, sell, you know, sell and exchange yeah. into areas with lower tax rates if you made all that money. Yeah, that's a good problem to have, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So how has it been to manage so many properties all at once? I mean, the paperwork's got to be a little bit of a nightmare. Um, 
you know, in the beginning, it seems overwhelming, but once you get everything kind of organized and, you know, then you're just kind of managing the managers, it doesn't seem to be that bad. You know, it's just in the beginning to get everything organized and every place has different rules and laws so that you just kind of have to familiarize yourself with each area. You know, Cleveland's going to be different than Detroit. Detroit's different than Alabama. But once once you understand it, then you, I, I don't think it's that bad. You spend a little bit of time and it's good to go. So how are you studying it? Do you go online? Are there websites you use? When I'm interested in an area, I do a lot of research on that area. So I kind of have a pretty good idea. Then once you get on, have the property management and you speak with them, then I don't feel afraid of anything. I just feel like you just talk to them and figure things out and away you go. It doesn't seem anything that's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you sure take a lot of the fear out. <laughs> <laughs> for people who are have been afraid to take uh, to pull the trigger. So I guess my next question would be, what took you so long? If you're so gung-ho, why'd you wait till 59 or 58? Well, I have a business and I expected it to do you know well enough where I didn't have to work so much, but I could just kind of manage it. So that was going to be kind of my retirement until I kind of sold it off. Mm-hmm. Then during the Great Recession, when everything kind of took a turn for the worse, and then I had an employee uh, embezzle like a half a million dollars from me during that time. Aww. So that, that, that hurt a lot. So once I got caught up, I figured, okay, I need to, I need to do something for my, for my retirement. So I was very interested in real estate. And then I got online and I found the Real Wealth Network and I started investigating it, everything and reading up. And then I said, okay, this is what I'm doing. And full steam ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and how are you finding the capital for... The purchase of so many properties, just from the my business right now, and and so I'm I'm hoping this I'm going to be done by next summer, and then I'll have another chunk of money to invest and take me the rest of the way. How many loans do you have right now? I have six. So you'll get uh, like three or four more, and then. Mm-hmm. And then stop then, or what What would you do next? Well, then I can qualify my wife. She's still working, so then I can, I can think I can qualify her, and then that gets me another nine. Okay, and she's on board. <laughs> she's on board. <laughs> <laughs> That's oftentimes a challenge is, is uh, being aligned as a couple. So did that, uh, were you naturally both aligned and wanting to move forward, or was one of you more resistant? Um, she wasn't resistant. She just like, man, I'd do whatever you do. She's a school teacher, so she has her retirement. So <laughs> I, I just, I said, I have to, I've, I've got to match your retirement at least. So, yeah. um, so I've been working at it. And then, you know, if I just told her, Hey, I want to qualify you, then I'll just, I'll just do it all. And then she'll just say, okay, all right. uh, I trust you. So, all right. Oh, wow. Okay. And we, that reminds me of a couple that we had on the show a while ago that he had his military retirement, but his wife didn't. And he found out, you know, she didn't have any retirement. And he found out that he didn't realize he checked the wrong box. But it was a box that said, basically, when he dies, she wouldn't get the uh, the, the retirement. Oh. So he panicked. And <laughs> same thing, he just, they got 10 properties. And yeah, I think on his income initially for her, and then they were able to get 10 more in her name. And she ended up having a bigger retirement than him <laughs> after that, at that point with more cash flow. So Anyway, that, that's wonderful. All right. So what lessons would you want to share to new investors who maybe just are nervous about buying a property that they don't live near? Um, I mean, I, I, 
I've never been very fearful of those things. I think some people are very afraid because they can't be there. But I, I think you know, the Real Wealth Network, is, to me, was my, a safety net for me. You guys have done a lot of work already to vet these people. And so I already have confidence going in. So talking to them and seeing their methods of how they, they run things, it just makes you feel confident. It doesn't, I don't feel afraid. I think if there's anything that comes up, you can handle it and just keep moving. I don't, I don't, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got this property over here and you know, I don't, I've got a problem with it. And I need to go there. I, I don't think you need to feel that way. I think they're, they're kind of part of your own, your, your business, you know, they're working for you. Without you, they, they wouldn't have a job. So I, I, they want to do a good job. Yeah, we we finally, it's been a balancing act. In the beginning, we found that some some people, some teams didn't deserve our uh, respect, I guess, or they, they took advantage of investors in the very beginning. Uh, but now we have really whittled it down to people who are committed. They hold each other accountable because they want to keep Real Wealth's name good. And uh, so they have a mastermind and they meet regularly all the different teams to help each other get better. But at the same time, I don't want anyone relying too much on Real Wealth Network because at the end of the day, we're not brokers. We're not there. We're not there to see the property or walk through. We don't know anything about the property. So you still got to do your your own due diligence on it. Did you get inspections and appraisals on each property? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Yep. And then, you know, I'm kind of a handy guy. So I, when I look at those inspection reports, I... You know, I can see what things are important, what are not important. I can talk to the inspectors and talk to the people that I'm buying the house. Say, you know, I mean, this needs to be fixed for sure. You know, what's going on here? You know, and so it's, did they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, so, what are the things that you would say are important or not important in a, in a inspection report? Because, like you said, these are old homes; they're not going to be perfect. There's going to be things that come up on that inspection report, like. I've seen some, you know, cracks on the cement. Well, <laughs> you know, of course there are, but is that right. is that a problem? So, yeah, what kinds of things did you discard, and what did you demand get fixed? Well, I and I just look at it. You know, you want you want this dwelling to last as long as possible. So the roof, of course, is going to be important. And you know, sometimes they say the drainage is poor around them, but it's you know some of the things you you, you hear over and over and over again. That's just the way things are in those areas and you just have to kind of get used to them and then just kind of weed through it. What do you think is going to make it last? You know, this, you know, the electrical has got to be good. The roof's got to be good. You know, is, if it has air conditioning, is it in good working condition or is, is the furnace good? All the things that are going to, that would stop, you know, make it, if you were a tenant and you were going to say, Hey, this is wrong, you know, come fix this. You know, you want to make sure those things are all at least start out the right working order. You know, they say the carpet is dirty or something it's like that. Oh, that's the way it's going to be. You know, we're going to replace it or replace it. The carpet was hard flooring, whatever. But it's more of the structural things I, I zero in on. Yeah, it seems like more and more of our teams are not doing carpet. They're putting in flooring that doesn't have to be replaced every time a tenant moves out. Right. Yeah. I think yep. the porcelain tile and, and stuff. And so many building materials that are quality and sturdy and solid are available and fairly cheap today. It's it's really a different deal than even five or 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what business are you in? I build plastic injection molds. So I have a machine shop. Okay. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, plastic parts like cell phones or calculators ah. or medical parts, they'll have to come out of a mold. 
I see. So they mold a machine from steel and they inject plastic into them. All right. Very good. Well, I really appreciate you being here on The Real Wealth Show and sharing your wisdom and hopefully helping others who've been sitting on the fence feel a little more confident about moving forward. What's your ultimate goal? What are you hoping to achieve from all these rentals? Well, I, I want to be able to not have this business anymore and still live the same lifestyle. I guess that's my ultimate goal, have more time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I look forward to checking in with you in five years to see how much closer you are, maybe maybe before then, given how much property you're buying. <laughs> are you going to <laughs> use the cash flow to pay down the loans or what kind of strategy are you using? Uh, I haven't determined that yet. I, I, I kind of wanted to get to the, but well, I guess the first part of it, I want to make sure you have enough cash flow so I can live comfortably for now. And then I want to continue to add to my portfolio so that I can pay down those loans to, you know, get some of them, at least some, some are half paid off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of make them all work for each other. Yeah. Great. Yeah. That's, that's one strategy is just to take all the cash flow and put it towards one, one loan and pay down that loan quickly. But others say, no, I'd rather just take all the cash flow and use it to buy another property. Yeah, well, but since I'm, if I was 39, then I would be paying them off to, you know, try to get them all paid off. So when I was 59, that I wouldn't have to, that would be easier to do. But since I'm starting late, I'm kind of changing the way I'm doing things. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And like I said, I look forward to checking in with you later to, uh, to see where you're at. Okay. All right, Mark, thank you so much for joining us here today. And I hope to see you at a future event. All right. Thank you. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. If you'd like to get important economic data on these various cities, you can do that for free at our website at realwealthshow.com. Under the Invest tab is a drop-down of all the different cities that are great for both cash flow and hopefully appreciation. Again, that's realwealthshow.com.